There are now over half a million mobile apps and counting. Apps that can seemingly take you anywhere and do anything. You might say there's no limit to what these apps can do. But the truth is, life isn't always that easy. For everything your device can't do, try this. No matter what you're looking for, God has an app for that. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Glad you're here today, and I just want to invite you, if you would, to grab this program, and we're going to jump in this morning, and I want to draw attention to a couple of things first before we do. Uh, one would be just pull your connection card out. I saw many of you, you do this the first thing you come in, you fill this out, write your name on it, just go ahead and write your name on it, because at the end of our time together, you're going to get a chance to use this to respond or to write a prayer request down, so go ahead and do that. If you're a guest, we're just so happy that you're with us, and uh, we want to invite you to stop at our Welcome Center right out front, the kiosk, and uh, we have some folks there. We just want to give you a gift as a way of saying thanks for being with us today so you can do that as you leave. Just a couple of things that are going on in the life of our church family that we all need to know about is that we begin our MOPS this week, and I'm so excited about this MOPS program. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started this and uh, our efforts to reach into the lives of young families and to help young moms, knowing that this is a particularly hard time of life uh, for them. And so there's a flyer in here, talks about it. If you want to know more, you have a young mom in your life uh, in some way, uh, you can go over to our children's ministry right out on their patio after the service today, and they've got a table set up, and you can find out more uh, about that if you're willing to do that. The next thing I want to talk about is this flyer on the top. It says 40 Days in the Word, and we're looking for uh, people who lead groups. We've come a long ways, but we still have a couple of whole we need to fill. So there's a flyer in there, an insert. You can fill that out and turn it in offering time. Or better yet, if you just stop at the tent today, because it's getting down to the wire, and we just love to know if you have an, you know, would like to have an intent to lead a group, you can stop outside at the tent before you leave. And then the next thing is we're having our journey classes next Sunday. And one of the joys, actually, of my job, I guess, if you want to call it, is that I get to teach Journey 101. And it's just a really fun time. We get together, we talk about our church and why we do what we do, talk a little bit about how I came here and our church got started and how you fit. And it's just a really, I, I think it's a really fun experience. Everybody who comes tells me that they can't believe that that three and a half hours went by that fast. Uh, and so we have a good time. So if you haven't been, come. And if you want to sign up for your next class, that'd be wonderful if you do that. So grab your message notes out of your program. I'm going to be all over the Bible today, so I'm not going to have you look at any particular place. Uh, but you can take notes that you can refer to later as we start this second app and in our installment on the, uh, this app series that we're in right now. Now, the word apps, just to kind of help us to understand, it means application. So apps mean application or applications. And you can download apps that will help you with almost any area of your life. They're designed to make life simpler. That's the whole idea, make life simpler. So as we can get information, more information right at our fingertips, and we have all kinds of devices, handheld devices, uh, we have, you know, pads, um, we have laptops, and some of us are still tethered to desktops. Can you imagine that? And have to be there. But we can have all kinds of apps that we can download to help us with life. So we can have them delivered to us anytime, anywhere we want, and we can know the wisdom of the internet and the world. Now, there's a term that Apple made famous called, there's an app for that. There's this from their website, actually. 
and that they have an app for everything that you can imagine, over half a million actually, and this is just from Apple and what you can download from there. Uh, and you can download apps for almost any situation you're facing, and then some that you would never face in a million years, okay? And uh, next week, I'll, I think I'll bring some things in to show you some of the more crazy things that you can download from the app. So what we're doing, though, as you just saw in that video, is we're going to the original source of apps. We're going to the Bible, and we're downloading applications for specific things that we live with, we struggle with, or we have questions about, or we need help with. And last week we looked at the work app and had a lot of positive feedback last week as we talked about work and uh, how we can, you know, apply what God says to our, the thing that most of us get to do uh, for a big portion of our week. And this week we're going to download the forgiveness app. Now the reality is that we all get hurt by others. That's just the reality, okay? The reality is we all get hurt by others. Even the most well-intentioned, even those who are the closest to us. I'll never forget when Kim and I got married, and we were driving home. Actually, we got married in Florida, so we were driving home to where we were living in Texas, and we'd gone on our honeymoon, and then we loaded up the stuff that we were, you know, accumulated from our wedding, the gifts, I guess you call those things. And so we were taking, coming our gifts home in the back of my pickup, and you know, I was just kind of driven guy back then, and I decided that we didn't need to stop, you know. We'd stop for bathroom breaks, but you know, 24-hour drive, hey, that's nothing, you know. And so we drove 24 hours. We got to Texas in the morning. I think it was like 4.30 or 5. It was actually the sun was coming up, so it must have been about 6 in the morning. And we had our first moment where I realized that we were both human, okay? We had that first moment right early on. And so we just devoted some serious time early on in our marriage. We actually went to marriage counseling right off the bat uh, before we needed it or we thought we needed it. And so, and we learned how to forgive each other. That was part of the process we learned. And so we've been using these principles and this whole idea of forgiveness all through our marriage. And I have to say that she gets to practice a lot more than me. Okay, so this whole idea of forgiveness. So she's well practiced at it. So what I want to do is I want to say, we all get hurt. Okay, just know that. We all get hurt. We all have things that hurt us in life. So we need to know what do we do when we get hurt and how not to carry grudges or resentment into the future, which, which can do us more damage than anything else. And I just need you to know, here's what I want you to know today. You can leave here free. You can leave. Jesus Christ wants you to be free. He does not want you to be locked into resentment or grudges in your past. He wants you to be free, and you can leave here free today. In fact, look at what Paul says. Galatians 5, he says, Christ has truly set us free. He set us free. Now look at the words of Jesus. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly what? Free. So we're free. If Jesus sets us free, we are truly free. And the Bible teaches that those who are in Christ are free. If you know Jesus, if you said yes to him at any point in your life where you turned the leaf and you said yes to him for his forgiveness that he bought for you on the cross, at that moment, he set you free. He set you free from your sin. He set you free from your guilt. He set you free from your fear. And I'll say for today, he set you free from resentment. He set you free from this thing we have that we have to hold grudges and we have to hold people responsible somehow in life. And this is a huge gift, folks. What we're talking about today is a huge gift that everyone needs to download. To hold on to unresolved anger, to hold on to those deep hurts from others, to hold on to those grudges and nurse them and grow them, fertilize them so that they kind of take over our lives. That's not the life that Jesus called us to live. He called us 
to live in freedom. The longer you hold on to a grudge, the longer a grudge is going to hold on to you and the more damage it's going to do to you as well. Job chapter 5 says this. It says, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Some of you need to hear that today. It's a foolish and senseless thing to do. I just wondered, I was thinking about this, how many of us are allowing resentment to destroy our lives? How many of us are allowing resentment to destroy our joy, our peace, and our relationships? Folks, the idea about resentment is that as you have resentment, the only one you're hurting is you. Lewis Smedes, uh, author that I really respected before he went to heaven, still respect all his writings, but he says this, he says, the first and often the only person, get this, the first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the one who does the forgiving. We set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we set free is ourselves. That's who we've actually set free. There is hope for every one of us that we can be free from the grips, the tyranny of resentment, and from holding grudges. The deal is, how do we move from resentment to freedom? How do we take those steps to remove from resentment to, free, to freedom? How do we forgive those who hurt us? So we're going to download the forgiveness app today, and we're going to start the process and commit to being people who forgive. And I'm just going to give you some thoughts And then we're going to experience the story of someone who did an amazing amount of forgiveness in their life. The first part of releasing hurt and resentment is to resolve to forgive. First of all, I have to resolve to be a forgiver. I have to decide I'm going to be a forgiver in life. I have to resolve to do that. Now, the New Testament has a lot in it about the words of Jesus. So the first four books are the Gospels, and those are the words of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the New Testament are the application of the words that Jesus said. And so we're going to look at a lot at the New Testament today because the application to what Jesus says is a, has a lot to say about forgiveness, especially Paul's writings. And so in Ephesians 4.32, he says this, Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. You might just circle that, forgiving one another, Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I'm going to come back to that last part later on, but right now let's just focus on forgiving one another. Notice that it is a command. It's a command that we be a forgiver, and it's not just a one-time thing, but it's an ongoing thing that I will forgive, and I will forgive, and I will forgive. I'll forgive today, I'll forgive tomorrow, and I'll forgive the next day. I'm going to be a forgiver. It's going to be who I'm known as. I want to be known as a forgiver. Now, I just want to pause here. And let's talk a little bit about forgiveness, because uh, there's a lot of confusion about this whole idea of forgiveness. First, you know, forgiveness isn't excusing someone for what they did. It isn't minimizing the hurt. You know, you know your leg has been cut off by somebody, and you just kind of, min- oh, that's okay, I can walk on one leg, no problem. It's not minimizing the fact that someone has actually hurt you. But one of the bigger deals that people get hung up on forgiveness about is that they believe that forgiveness equals reconciliation. Now, I'd say this, even though it's God's desire that you be reconciled if possible, forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. Henry Cloud, one of the authors I love who does a lot of writing, teaching, speaking, he wrote this in a book called Necessary Endings. Some people are evil, (laughs) just right there. Some people are evil who seek to destroy. So you have to protect yourself and end the relationship, at least temporarily perhaps. Can evil people change? Yes. 
But it doesn't happen just by giving in to them or trying to reason with them or just hoping they get better. Sometimes the most helpful thing you can do is say to a person, you can't live here anymore. You can't call me anymore. You can't work here anymore until and unless you get some help and prove that you can be trusted. Prove that you can be trusted. We can forgive people, but we're not always going to be reconciled with people because when we forgive people, what we have to understand is forgiveness is free, but trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. So if I'm going to be reconciled in relationship, then someone must earn the trust. They have to show me now that they're trustworthy, that they've done something to change inside, internally, their actions in some way, their responses for me, their reactions to me, the way that they treat me in a way that I can now trust them, and I've forgiven them, and then I can move into relationship. But forgiveness is not always reconciliation. But God, no, God, it would be God's desire that there be reconciliation, but it doesn't always happen. Forgiveness is a choice. It's just a choice. And I can tell you, I've never felt like forgiving. Ever. It's a choice. It's not a feeling, okay? So you've got to say, I'm going to be a forgiver. So I'm just going to ask you today, let's resolve to be forgivers. Let's just decide right up front, that's who we're going to be. We're going to be forgivers. Second, if I'm going to let go of resentment, I must relinquish the desire for justice. I must relinquish the desire for justice. In the forgiveness process, you must understand that justice is not the goal. We may never, get this, never see justice. We may never see it with our eyes, justice, but we can experience freedom. We may never see justice. Paul writes in Romans 12, never pay back evil with more evil. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge I will pay them back. So God's saying that. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So I got two questions I want to ask you, and I want you to answer them out loud. Okay, here we go. We answer these questions out loud. Uh, Just looking at these verses and reading these verses and what they say, whose job is it to avenge you? God's. Great, you got it. A, A. So you got that first question right. Good, way to go. Okay, when you avenge yourself, whose job are you doing? God. Okay. There we go. There we go. Is that clear? Is that clear? When you take it upon yourself to, rev- to avenge or to get justice yourself, you have now moved from being a human and you've moved over here. And now you're God and you're dictating justice to everyone else because you've chosen to have his job. What we rem- need to remember that our job in this whole deal is not to, you know, lash out with justice or not to get vengeance in some way. Our job is forgiveness. That's what our job is, is forgiveness. And it's God's job to do the avenging. God says, I will repay. You don't have to repay. So folks, because he said he will repay, I don't have to hold on to this deal. I don't have to sit around and, you know, worry and fret and think and wish and dream of what might happen to somebody else. I let go and I say, God, I'm letting go and I'm going to turn it over to you. Because see what you do is you get caught up in the whole thing, then you're continually playing over the action. You're wanting, here's what I hope happens to you, here's what I hope happens to you, here's what I hope happens to you. And then when you see somebody, what are you going to feel? Anger. Tremendous anger. And you're going to show them right up front that you've not been able, you'll show yourself actually that you've not released their, your judgment against them. So I have to give up my right for justice and vengeance and forgive. We can let it go and do that. Now, obviously, boy, when you talk about forgiveness, there's so much written about forgiveness. 
And I've heard a lot of stories, and I just sat at my computer screen and watched these things and just cried like a baby watching these stories. And so there's a lot written about people who've been hurt tremendously. At a certain point, they gave up their right in their mind, their right for vengeance, and they let it go. And instead of seeking vengeance, they sought forgiveness. I happened to read a couple of books this summer, surprised the heck out of me when I was reading these books, that actually they were about forgiveness. One is called Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand, and she's the one that wrote Seabiscuit, but she wrote a book called Unbroken, and she's telling this story about this guy. He's from Southern California. He went into the uh, World War II, and so he was in World War II. He was shot down, ended up being in the Pacific, ended up being taken prisoner by the Japanese, ended up being in a Japanese prison camp for two years, and it's a book of torture. It's a book of his torture at the hands of a sadistic uh, camp director or leader. And there's times I'm reading this book, I just have to put it down and want to go throw up. It's just so horrendous. But it's a story, finally, of redemption when this guy was set free, and then when this guy met Christ, and then he went back and he wrote a letters, and he, he forgave this guy who never asked for forgiveness. It's an amazing story of forgiveness. When you get to the point in the book, I'm serious, you're going to cry. You're just going to go, oh, I never saw this coming. I gave it away, so you will now. <laughs> now you're going to be anticipating when it's going to be there, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I just picked up a book, a novel I wanted to read just for fun, and it was called Calico Joe by John Grisham. It's a baseball story, and I'm reading this, and I'm going along reading, and I found out at the end, it's all about forgiveness too. So it's forgiveness is everywhere, and, but yet the deal is, we, everyone, every story I've read, somebody had to give up the need, the desire for justice or revenge. Okay, third thing. If I'm going to be free of resentment, I must respond to evil with good. It's getting harder. I must respond to evil with good. God says that the best thing you can do for someone who's hurt you is to respond with what? Good. Romans 12. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame. So if you're ever wondering, you know, what's God going to do? Right there, you can kind of somehow burning coals of shame, and you can kind of maybe, as you do something good, maybe you're sadistically saying burning coals of shame on somebody's forehead, you know, head, and they're catching on fire. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here, a couple of ideas on how you can heap burning coals on someone's head. <laughs> One is to think about them differently, is to think about them differently is just instead of looking at someone as, you know, this kind of sadistic, evil, hate monger who on purpose did this to you so that you'd be miserable the rest of your life, change the way you think about them. And one of the ways you do that is that you stop and tell yourself this, and you think about this all the time. Hurt people hurt people. And if you can change your thinking from you are a monster to you are like me, it's going to change the way you look at every hurt that comes your way. Change your thinking from you are this monster, but you are a human, human just like me, then it's going to change the way you respond. And then the other way that you heap coal, burning coals on someone's head is that you pray for them is that you pray for them. Once you understand they're human, once you understand that they have their own baggage and their own level of hurt, I'm not saying you excuse them, okay? Remember that. You're not excusing them. But once you realize that they're human, is that now what you can do is you can go to God and you have empathy and you can pray for them. And there's nothing more freeing than when you come before God and you can sincerely 
pray for them and pray for good. Pray for his blessings. Now, let me start out something like this. God, here's what I want. I want to pray for this person today. I want to pray that, uh, that God, instead of all four tires blowing out, only three blow out. <laughs> and so, you know, you start. You just start, okay? The way you do that, you pray that something good happens to them and that blessings come their way. So that's one way that you can heap burning coals of head. Uh, burning coals on their head. Okay, now the next one, and I, like I'm telling you, it's getting harder. Here's the next one. Repeat the process of forgiveness. Repeat the process of forgiveness. Repeat the process of forgiveness. We have to repeat the process. I wish I could tell you that the first time you forgive somebody means that you're never going to have to forgive them for the same offense again. But you will. It's going to take some time. So some of you wonder, oh, I forgave them, Ron. Why do I still have these feelings? Because you need to repeat the process. And you repeat the process until when? Until you're free. Until you're free of the resentment and the grudge that you sense you have for them. Now, Peter um, wanted Jesus to give him this whole idea. Okay, Jesus, I need to know. I just, give me the bottom line. How many times do I forgive somebody? And so this is what Peter asked him. Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? That sounds like a lot, right? So I'm thinking, he's, I'm pretty magnanimous here. I'm just kind of seven times. Ooh, that's great. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Peter's going, wow, you know, okay, seven times. So now, wow, he's raised the bar so high, 490 times. So I'm going to keep score, and when I get to 490, you better watch out, because 491, you're toast, buddy. <laughs> well, that's not what Jesus was saying, Okay. Not what he was saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you're keeping score, you're not forgiving. If you're keeping score, you're not forgiving. So what he's saying is don't keep score. Don't hold on. And, you know, a lot of ways we keep score is when someone hurts us and we feel like it's the same or a similar hurt in the past is that we know we've kept score because we're, we just automatically feel that again. In fact, what we realize is we've sandbagged back there and we didn't really deal with it. And so now this offense brings even more weight and more weight and more weight until we're just, you know, somebody just says something to us wrong, you know, all over the top of them because we've not been willing to repeat the process and come to the place of forgiveness. I like what Dr. Phil says. He says this, you can either be right or you can have a relationship. That's good stuff, right? You can either be right or have a relationship, and you can't have both. Now, I've saved the most important part of forgiveness for last. Most important part. Most important part of forgiveness is this. You must receive forgiveness from God. If you're going to be a forgiver, you have to receive forgiveness from God, and it starts there. You must first be forgiven if you're going to be able to forgive. Look at the words from Paul wrote in, wrote in Ephesians 1. He says, he, talking about God, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. So we have this app, symbols of cross. We have a cross right here. We have a cross right up in front when you drive in in our driveway. And we have a cross up because the cross symbolizes our hope. The cross symbolizes what God has done for us, that he's made possible that we can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, as we sing about today, as we talked about, as he shed his blood on the cross. We talk about justice. All of the justice that God would mete out against you and me for our sin, he delivered to Jesus Christ on the cross so that we could be free. And so once you, once you receive 
his forgiveness, once you step over that line of faith, because it has to be a personal decision that everyone makes, then what happens is when you receive this forgiveness that you could never earn uh, for things that you've done again and again and again, and you receive that forgiveness, then what happens is when you are forgiven and you know you're forgiven and you can be in that state of forgiveness, then you can forgive others. But I don't, honestly, I don't think it's possible to forgive until you've been forgiven. I just don't think it's possible. And that's why I think some of us struggle is because we've never received the forgiveness of Jesus. Or some of you have, and if someone talked to me between after first service, you've, you've prayed and asked for forgiveness, but for some reason you've never been able to fully sense that you've been able to appropriate that forgiveness. And I'm just telling you, we just finished a series on faith. That's about faith faith. Now, some of us struggle with huge baggage in this area of being able to receive forgiveness, and there's a lot of stuff written, a lot of helps that we can give you on that, but you have to first be forgiven if you're going to be a forgiver. Once you receive grace, you can give grace. Once you receive mercy, you can give mercy. Once you receive freedom, you can set others free, and forgiveness begins when I am forgiven by God. So the bottom line of this app is this, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people people. So what I want to do, I'm going to give us an opportunity. If this is the start, some of you have never done this. I know in every service we have, every week, we have people who have never said yes to Jesus. I know you come, you're checking him out, you're checking church out. Some of you, I just, I just think, you know, and you've been here maybe a while, but you've still never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to his forgiveness. And so today, I want this to be your day of freedom, where you truly receive his forgiveness. I'm going to ask everybody to just bow their heads. Just bow your heads. If you've said yes to Jesus at some point, what I want you to do right now is I want you to pray for those who never have, because this is a spiritual deal, spiritual battle going on right now. And I'm just going to ask you, if you, you say, I know I've never said yes to Jesus, Rob. I'm just going to ask right now that what you would do is you would and just think, of this in your, think these prayers in your thoughts, in your mind. Jesus, I admit to you that I need you. I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I admit to you that I've done wrong. And Jesus, it's a huge bag. I believe that you died on the cross to set me free. I believe that you died on the cross to set me free. That on the cross, you took all the punishment for my sin. The holy God meted out, would have meted out on me, would have delivered to me. You took it all so that I wouldn't have to die spiritually. You took it all. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask that the blood that you poured out was enough for me, and I turn to you today, and I ask you to forgive me. And Jesus, because you've forgiven me, I want to live the rest of my life for you. You, you just call the shots. I, I want to follow you. I want to know what it's like to live, as the Bible talks about, in complete freedom. Will you show me, Jesus? You call the shots. I want to follow you. And God, I just thank you for everyone here, and I thank you that today... Not a person has to leave here in bondage. Not a person has to leave here locked up. Everyone can leave here today free. It's the promise you made through what you've done in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now one of the stories that we read 
uh, as we were looking at this series and talking about the forgiveness app. It's a story that uh, Matthew West told. And if Matthew West is a Christian you know, singer and songwriter, and he wrote an album, he called it Stories, and this album was, uh, he had solicited stories from people, so they'd write about their hurts, they'd write about their pains, they'd write about their victories, and then he would take, you know, he ended up with just stacks and stacks and stacks of stories, but he, he cut it down, and he would write a song about a story, and he put it on this album. Well, one of the songs is called Forgiveness, and it's a story about a mom who was able to forgive, completely forgive, a man who caused the death of one of her daughters. Let's watch Matthew tell the story, and then after he tells the story, our team is going to sing the song called Forgiveness. Over the past few years, I've been on this journey of writing songs inspired by the real-life stories that people sent to me. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It hit me kind of hard. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Renee wrote to me and said, I now have a mission that I never would have chosen. What she meant by that is that in the years that follow, she began to travel around to schools and churches and different functions, and she would speak about the dangers of drunk driving. But as the years progressed, she felt like something was missing from her presentations. And that's when God put it on her heart that she had not forgiven this man who took the life of her daughter. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. Eric said he found his eternal salvation as a result of this act. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead, and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there, though. Renee went to the courts along with her family, and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. This blew me away. The reason she did it is so that Eric could have a second chance at life and so that he could join her in their presentations. She told me that now she shares not only about the dangers of drunk driving, but also about the power of forgiveness. It always goes to those who don't deserve 
It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they cause is just too real It takes everything you have to say the word Forgiveness Pride. It moves away the mad inside. Its anger is always one worst enemy. Even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's the kind of medicine and set it free. Forgiveness. So the question is, how do you do that? How do you do that consistently? How do you become a person who's a forgiver? 
I just want you to write down the secret of forgiveness, if you would. The secret of forgiveness for every one of us is that we remember how much we've been forgiven. I would remember how much I've been forgiven. As I remember how much I've been forgiven, then it allows me to enter into the pathway where I'm willing to forgive others. Because if you're like me, just knowing how much I've been forgiven, it gives me a lot of compassion and empathy for other people. Because we all need to be forgiven. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 3. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must, you must, he says, you must forgive others. If I'm harboring resentment and grudges, then I'm not doing what God told me to do. And actually, I'm dishonoring the forgiveness that he made possible when I don't give forgiveness away. We're going to enter into a time of communion now where we come and remember what God has done for us. I'm going to ask our ushers if they'd move into place and they would help serve us. And the way that we'll do it today is that they're going to pass plates around. And as a plate comes down your row, if you'll just take a piece of the bread and a cup of the juice, and then if you'll hang on to that, then we'll keep it handy. Uh, just hold on to that, then we'll all have communion together after we're all served. I want to begin by leading us in a prayer. God, I thank you so much for every one of us that you've spoken to today. And I pray today that as we have this time of communion, that it would be a time of memory, a time of remembering. Some people just said yes to you today, Jesus, so they have the freedom right now, the joy of being forgiven for the first time. I pray that each of us remember that joy and that we remember that we are set free and that you set us free by Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's what we want to come now and remember that we can leave here being free and being forgivers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.